Everybody grab your Bibles. We are continuing on this series in 1 Corinthians. This is a powerful letter from an apostle, from the Holy Spirit to a church that had a whole bunch of issues. And it's a, a, an incredible way to see how God wants to speak to his church. And, and, and when I say his church, what I mean is to, to you and me. Because you, if you're here and you feel like you might be just a little bit messy, like your life's not totally put together, like you don't have it all figured out, 1 Corinthians is a great letter for you. So everybody grab Bibles. If, you're, if you don't have one with you, we're going to stand and read it together here in a minute. So if you don't have one with you under the chair in front of you, you should find one. Maybe you have one on your phone. You guys joining us at home, be sure to have one. The Word of God in your hands, you're able to see that for yourself. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be crazy and read the entire chapter here together uh, just because we're like that <laughs> and the Bible's good. So uh, are y'all cool with that? Come on. Let's do this. I know, hey, kids, I need y'all with me this morning. By the way, uh, kids, if you, in your packet, kids in your packet, there is directions for a homemade stomp rocket, which apparently is amazing. And we're going to give you the stuff to make it whenever we're finished in, in, uh, in service here, okay? So take those to the foyer. We're going to give you stuff to make a stomp rocket. And then your entire Labor Day weekend is fulfilled in Jesus' name. All right. Everybody stand up with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read the whole thing. By the grace of God, I'm going to somehow preach through this and we'll get there to the end. Okay. Chapter 4, Paul speaking to this church. This is how, so by the way, just uh, uh, reference, and if you haven't been to the first couple of these, we want to encourage you to jump online. You can listen to these messages. They're all available for you on our website or um, Facebook or YouTube or basically anywhere you can get video. Um, chapters 1 and chapters 3, Paul is dealing with all kinds of disunity in the body and they're at each other and they're trying to prove who's smarter and who's better. There's a ton of pride in the church, uh, like that ever happens in the church, right? Uh, and he's trying to deal with some bad attitudes. And then he, he wants to say something about how he, the nature by which he's going to address a lot of the issues that we're going to see for the rest of the, this letter to the church. All right, chapter four. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that we be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring the, to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another for who sees anything different in you. What do you have that you did not receive? And then you received it. Why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us, you've become kings and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles 
is last of all, like men sentenced to death because we become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We're fools for Christ's sake. But you're wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. You're held in honor, but we in disrepute. disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We're poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Now hear this. I didn't write these things to you to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. That's why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I'll find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love? in a spirit of gentleness. Father, we're just asking right now that you'd open up your heart to us through this letter. And where maybe it doesn't make sense, it will make sense. And where you'll open our heart and our eyes to see what you want to say to us here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for that. I know that was long. Uh, I have the benefit of having grown up in a, an incredible Christian environment. I had a, a incredible parents who loved Jesus, who got their hearts turned on to the Lord. Uh, uh, when they were in college, they received the Lord and they started running with him and they had a desire to lead a godly family. Uh, and I'm thankful for that heritage. Some of you might also share that, but what happens is, is you find yourself in church for uh, a, a lot. Uh, you find yourself in church a lot. And you go through lots and lots and lots of sermons, and we were kind of, we'd, we'd be there on Sunday morning, and then, you know, they'd have a Wednesday night thing, and we'd be there for that, and then uh, eventually we got into youth group, and we'd have not only Sunday mornings, but the Wednesday night things there, and we had youth camp, and I've probably listened to like 10,000 sermons. Uh, and I've probably, now, now I've been in full-time vocational ministry for now 21 years. I know I don't look that old, so... Been in vocational ministry for 21 years of probably, I don't know how many messages I've been able to preach. And I'm so thankful for when we come together, when we're able to worship and sing and to hear the word proclaimed. I think those things are all powerful. But when I actually look back on the totality of my life, when I look back at moments that actually shaped me and moved me, I don't think often about big contexts. What I think back on are very specific moments where God moved in a powerful way when I was sitting face to face with a father. I remember one time I was sitting on a curb uh, right after youth group. I was just waiting for my mom to come pick me up, right? Sitting on the curb. And one of the youth leaders, he probably was maybe five years older than me. He comes down and he sits down and we just start talking and sharing. And all of a sudden, in the most normal and natural way, 
I have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to just begin to confess sin. It's not even during the message. It wasn't a big altar call. It was the first time in my life that I was in a church, in and around a church setting, and I was just able to be real and authentic and honest. And he was real and authentic and honest. And it just hit me like a bolt of lightning in this moment. You don't have to pretend like you're something that you're not. That you can actually have relationships where you can be real and authentic and be loved and valued and called into something powerful and life-giving. I'm 14 years old. And this thing is hitting me. I, I will never forget. It was a really bad curb. It had rocks that were poking into my butt, but I was being moved, all right? I was being moved by the Holy Spirit in that moment. It was so powerful, powerful for me uh, to, to, to realize you don't have to run scared from the church. And unfortunately, I think there's so many people that have had that experience. I remember um, uh, there was, we were in college and there was a pastor, wasn't a college ministry guy or anything. There was just a pastor and he saw me and a couple of buddies and he just saw something on us and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to my office and just every other week we're gonna come together and we're gonna talk about what it means to be close to Jesus. It was no curriculum. He had like four ideas and we just talked about them over and over and over again. I'm telling you, those moments shaped me. They were powerful they transformed me. Just sitting with this guy who was willing to sit with some incredibly knuckleheaded college kids trying to make a way. I remember sitting down with um, my lead pastor. I was on staff. We were on, before we came here uh, four years ago, we were on staff at a church in Texas for 13 years. And uh, we served under a great senior pastor. And I remember the day where I, I got to sit down with him and say to him, hey, we, we love everything about what's going on here, but we think the Lord's asking us to step out and lead a church, to just leave everything that we've ever known. And I had served so long, I'd become, I was one of the nine elders at our church. I had served on our senior leadership team for more than a half decade. I'd been in that place, and you know what he said to me? He didn't go, hey, man, are you sure you want to do this? I don't know if this is a really good idea. You know, we had a lot of things going on here because let me tell you, we had just planted our campus. We had our first multi-site campus. We were doing all kinds of crazy things. There was so much need in our church at the time. We were growing like crazy. You know what he said? He looked us and he looked me in the eye and he just said, what do you need? How can we serve you? How can we help you live what God's got for your life? That moment transformed me. There was no argument. In fact, he, yeah, what he actually said is, oh, this, we knew this time was coming. It was just a matter of time. That's what he said. It's always great when God convinces other people about what he's doing in your life before he tells you. <laughs> I can point to moment after moment where I'm so thankful for corporate settings. But I had these moments, these different fathers and I say fathers just because some of them were within the, my age striking distance, but men who were willing to sit down with me. These were moments of power and transformation. My whole life has been shaped by these moments. And it's so important that we begin to see and understand what Paul is actually trying to say in this portion of this letter. And that is, listen, the church will come alive under 
spiritual mothers and fathers. We thank God for corporate worship. And we come together because we need to remember that we're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. But the church comes alive when it's covered by spiritual mothers and fathers. Listen, we live in a world that doesn't feel uh, super safe or trustworthy with a lot of the voices out there. There's tons of voices. In fact, with the advent of social media and all the things going on now, there are more voices now than ever. And the, the, there's more of a question now, what voice can I actually trust that isn't angling or coming from a particular angle or trying to accomplish their maybe political agenda or social agenda or even spiritual agenda? It's, it's hard to even know at times where people are coming from. And we often want to know, is there a trustworthy place? Well, I think what Paul is actually going to point to, and we'll look at the text here, is that What God wants are faithful leaders in his church that are willing to express his heart. God's looking for trustworthy voices that aren't devoted to this idea or that conspiracy or this thing, that aren't swayed by every popular idea that's going on. Those kinds of people that can hear bad news and you know that when they hear the bad news, they're going to have wisdom and peace to offer to you in that moment. This is the case of where Paul is here, where he's looking at a beloved church that he spent a year and a half with seeking to plant, and he knows they've got some major sin issues in their lives, and he just wants to sit down with them and say, here is my aim and my hope. I want to be a father for you. I want to help you see the gospel in its purity and how it'll transform your life. And so as I mentioned before, he addresses these divisions in chapter one and chapter three. There's people that are preaching false gospel and then you've got all these different factions popping up in the church and he wants to come to them with confident humility and just resubmit the truth of Jesus' heart. And it's in light of that that we come to chapter four where he says, listen, do you wanna see where the real power of Jesus' church is? If you want to see where the real power of Jesus' church is, it's actually found in faithful leaders who want to lead by example. Faithful leaders who lead by example. And because of that, here's what he's going to say. With clarity, not only do you and I need spiritual fathers and mothers in our lives, but hear this, church. You're called to be a faithful spiritual mother and father. If you are in Christ, if you've given your heart to Jesus, I want you to hear this. Not only are you called to have those people in your life, you're called to become that one. You're being called to be that. Look at verse 15. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the, through the gospel. Verse 16. I urge you then be imitators of me. Actually, what he's saying is, I would like for you to carry a fresh vision for your life. You are not one who's meant to be limping along until Jesus gets here. Your life is so much more than that. You're not meant to just try to get by. You are called to become what I will be for you. You're called to stand in this place of becoming spiritual fathers and mothers. And the first thing we all want to do is go, 
Well, that sounds amazing, preacher. But you don't know me in all my mess. You don't know me in the places that I've fallen short. You don't know me in all the things that I wrestle with. Good news. Whatever you got going on, you ain't any worse than the Corinthian church. Okay? Just going to be honest with you. Whatever issues you got, hey, and we all got issues. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Amen. We have issues, but we have a king who overcame it all. And he's making us totally brand new. And he's given us new identity. And he's saying, I've got a bigger vision than just you limping along. I want you to also imitate me. I want you to become spiritual father. I want you to see this about your life. You're meant to speak into people's lives. This is who you are. And so, so here's what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do two things, and then we're going to be done. We're going to, one, I'm going to let Paul trounce the idea that you're not qualified to become a spiritual mother and father, to become spiritual covering, okay? He's going to destroy whatever, whatever argument you're bringing to this thing, he's going to kill it. And then two, we're just going to look at what the Bible actually has to say about who you are and what it looks like to actually begin to step in as, as, a, as become a spiritual mother and father, okay? Um, can we do that? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, we'll just jump back into 14. He says, here's what Paul says. I'm not writing. Listen to you. I love this about Paul. I am not dealing with your issues and all these divisions. I'm not coming at you and fussing with you. I'm not bringing this letter to you because I want you to feel shame. Hear this. The gospel never comes with a spirit of shame, ever. If you've ever been shamed into doing something for Jesus or to following him or living for him, listen, that's not the gospel. He said, I'm not coming to you to shame you for all the broken parts of you. I want you to hear this. I'm coming to you as a spiritual dad. I care about your soul. I care about you and your experience in Christ and who he is. So I'm not coming to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though, listen, you've got countless guides in Christ. You do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. That is, that's why I sent Timothy to you. Jump down to verse 18. Listen, some are arrogant. You think that I'm not gonna be able to come to you, but I'm coming If the Lord wills, and I will find out, not the talk of the arrogant, but listen, that I want to just see where power is manifest. For the kingdom of God doesn't exist in talk, but in power. Okay, here's what he's going to do. I'm going to confront the lies. Lie number one. I can't be a spiritual father or mother because I'm not married and I don't have kids. I mean, this is just step one. If you think, well, I'm not married or I don't have kids, so I'm not really qualified. Guess who else is not married and doesn't have kids? Paul. And honestly, throughout church history, you've got people like Elijah and Elisha and John the Baptist, Paul himself. None of these men have uh, biological children, not one of them. And yet the, the primary thrust of their ministry is to what? Turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and children to their fathers. They're actually seen as spiritual fathers, called spiritual fathers. I love that. And I love what Paul is saying in verse 14. I'm calling you up to this, not out of a place of shame, but because I see you as my beloved children. 
Your call to be a spiritual father has nothing to do with whether or not you have biological children. It has everything to do with, do you care about a generation seeing Jesus for who he actually and really is? Lie number two. I can't be a spiritual father or mother because I'm too young. I'm too young. If you're thinking like, like I, you've got it. like, I feel like you have to either be like Mr. Miyagi or Yoda. Like one of those two. You've got to have weird white hairs coming out of places that are awkward in order to be a spiritual father. Listen, I'm telling you, Paul is destroying this. He says, one, I want you to be imitators of me, meaning I'm asking you to change the vision for your life to see who you really are. And then two, by the way, I'm sending Timothy, who's my son to you, to come and father you. I'm sending my young guy, his I've been teaching and training. I want to send him to you and I'm asking him to help give you guys clarity and understanding and vision and wisdom. I love what Paul says to Timothy. And I love, by the way, that our kids, kiddos, you guys with me? Certainly our students, you guys 6th through 12th grade, but also our kids. Listen to this word, okay? I want to speak this word over you. It's what Paul says to Timothy. It's what our church should say to you. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set, uh, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Kiddos, young people, you guys set the, set the pace. Call us up. I love it. I, I love it when kids are running after Jesus and parents are like, God, we got to we gotta figure this thing out. We're trying to keep up with our kiddos. It's amazing. Thank you, Lord, for that. The truth is this. Right now, the church is in, a, the church is in need right now of a younger generation that's willing just to stand up and say, I'm giving my whole heart to King Jesus. We're looking for it. We want to follow. We're eager. You can be a spiritual father or mother. It has nothing to do with your age. It's about saying, my whole life is for Jesus. I want to give my heart to him. Lie number three, I can't be a spiritual father or mother because I don't know enough spiritual stuff. And stuff is just all the stuff. Can we just be honest? The world will always have a ton of people who have a ton of different answers. People who can wax poetic all day long about all the philosophies, the thoughts, the ideas. The truth is there are people out there that can run circles around you or me theologically. They can write pages and pages on political or social or theological issues. And the truth is I'm thankful for guides. I'm thankful for podcasts. I'm thankful we we record these and are able to send those out to be a blessing and encouragement to our church and, and certainly far beyond anyone that's willing to interact with them. Paul's not coming against guys, guides or those that have ideas and thoughts and throw those out there. That's not, he's not against it. But what he's saying is this, you're always going to have countless voices going on, but you often won't have a father. You don't have fathers. That's what he says in verse 15. You can have great messages that can be encouraging, but who's on the ground? walking with you and loving you. If the church, honestly, can we just be honest? If the church were just simply about doing music and listening to messages, 
we could just all turn on our phones, make it happen. We, didn't, we don't even have to show up here. That's not what this church is about. We're about coming together for something so much greater that when we come together and we link arms, that we believe God can do powerful and amazing things right from this church. Together. That we're meant to be spiritual mothers and fathers connecting with each other. I remember um, our first, my wife and I have joked many, many times about our, our first year of marriage. Um, we were two firstborn children, uh, strong leaders, different, part, I know somebody said, ooh, and I was like, yeah, I felt that. All right. Two firstborns, strong leaders, very different personalities, very different gifts in the kingdom. And we got slammed into marriage first year, and we were like, this is awesome. And also, what have we done to ourselves? And um, I'm tw- I was 28 years old. I'd been, already been in, in, in full-time ministry since I was 22 or 21. Uh, and so I'd had a lot of years of doing ministry. I had all the thoughts. I had all the ideas. I had what in my mind all my life together. And then this lady comes along, and she's got some different ideas. And that's really not helpful. And if she would just listen, we would be okay, <laughs> right? And and, and, and there was honestly this explosion. We were trying to navigate through it. And so by the grace of God, we had at least enough wisdom to think we probably don't need to lead a life group. Let's, we got into what our church called life groups. And we got into one led by an incredible couple, John and Nadine Smith. And I, we would tell you, because we used to joke half the time, on our way to life group, we'd be in a fight with each other about something absurd, I'm sure and foolish, and we'd be fussing, and then we'd be like, should we just turn the car around? Do we need to go? All right, let's just go. Let's walk in, put on the happy face, and then we were like, you know what? We can't do this. We're having a rough time, and you know what was the most amazing thing? Let me tell you something about John Smith. I run circles around John Smith and theology. I had all the things. I've got church leadership, study, all the things. I've done all the things. You know what I needed? I needed to watch a humble husband just open his doors and say, you guys are going to be okay. We know what it's like to walk through marriage stuff. You're not the only ones. And for us to go, thank you, Lord, that we're not the only messed up couple in the world because it feels like it. I just needed a mother and father just to love on us and help us see, one, Keith, you need some humility. And this isn't the way forward. And I'm just so deeply thankful to have been marked by someone that I can guarantee you, probably one of the most humble men, I've, just the most servant-hearted men I've ever known in my whole life. He actually uh, passed away just a couple of years ago due to cancer. I, and I don't know, honestly, if he'll ever know how much that first year, he and Nadine opening their home marked me and changed me and helped me. And God knows I had m- many more years of changing to do but I'm so thankful for that hour to have a spiritual father who was just willing to open up his home. He wasn't bringing anything in particular. He just was willing, willing to love, willing to encourage. Can I just be honest with you? Jesus isn't mostly passionate about having more wise, sage Instagram influencers. What he's looking for are faithful mothers and fathers who'll just open up their homes. 
You can be an Instagram influencer. It's great for the kingdom, for the glory of God. What Jesus wants are just a, a group of people just going, I just want my life to be about something. And I may not have much to give, but I'm willing to open up my life and say, you guys can follow me as I follow Christ. I don't have my life all figured out. Sometimes we do marriage bad. Sometimes we do parenting bad. Sometimes I'm a jerk at work or whatever. But I'm asking God to change and transform me. And it happens in these moments where we live with each other, where we call each other up. And it's so important because Paul knows that there are harsh realities he's going to have to deal with. With this, with this particular church, he's going to have to confront sin, going to have to deal with some issues. We're going to see how spiritual father deals with some of the hardest issues of the day. In fact, next week we'll be diving into the issue of sexuality. It's very difficult. He, has, he comes at it from such a father's heart. We're going to do that because this is what fathers do. That's what a father would do for them. It's what the Lord does for us. And so here's the question. We'll finish with this. What does it look like? Here's the ultimate question. What does it look like to live and operate as spiritual fathers and mothers? It's just one thing to have a vision for it. It's an entirely different thing to ask the question, how do we do it? What does it look like? How do we get there? All right. I've just tried to, uh, there's many, many things, but I just want to give you three quick points. In, our, in fact, our team can go ahead and come up. Uh, number one, we become spiritual fathers and mothers first by becoming sons and daughters, okay? Let me say that again. I know it's easy to be distracted as the team kind of comes up, but I want you to see this. It's on the screen here. If you want to become a spiritual father or mother, the step one is becoming sons and daughters. And there's a couple of ways we do this. One, the way, the way Paul actually says it to the church in Rome, he says, listen, you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If you want to step into helping love and care for and lead people, lead, maybe lead your family well, might just start with your family, might move out from there, people that you work with, or people in the community, people around you, people in our church. Listen, it is critical that we understand who we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. All right? We're not first fathers and mothers. We're first sons and daughters. It's who we are. This has got to be anchored in our hearts, in, in the deepest places in us to believe that we've been made co-heirs with Christ. That your sonship, your daughtership becomes vital. Because if we can't relate with our heavenly father, then guess what? Relating with fathers in this life is not going to happen. Because if you live under spiritual manipulation, right, if you find yourself subject to that, guess what you do? We, we manipulate. And if we operate under a performance mentality, meaning this, if you're operating right now to try to do enough good things to get God to love you, not because you're a son or daughter, loved and treasured just because you're a son or daughter, 
And what we do is we end up doing that to others. We look at others and we ask them to perform. Listen, any spiritual leadership that isn't rooted in sonship in Christ will ultimately produce heartache because it comes from religious duty. And that's not where the Lord wants our hearts. That whatever we do, we do because we've been made sons and daughters for eternity. I love it when they were uh, begging Jesus to teach them how to pray. What is Jesus? Was the, the, the most well-known prayer of all times? They just like Jesus teaches to pray. How does He pray? He says, "This is how you pray, our Father, our Dad who's in heaven. You're worthy of my worship. Sonship, daughters." Sons and daughters, this is what it means. If you want to be a spiritual mother or father, it just starts with being sons and getting our identity rooted in Him. Secondly, by the way, just it's so critical that we find community with each other. We don't do groups in our church to say we do groups. We do them to see life transformation. We got to find meaningful, godly community that are led by faithful Leaders, We have faithful elders who help give care and covering to this church, but we intentionally seek to live life with each other. Number two, we're going to become spiritual mothers and fathers by pointing others to Jesus. Just pointing to Jesus, to which you kind of go, duh, isn't that kind of obvious? But it's not, right? Because most of the time we think that we got to be able to give really good advice or we think that we have to have all the answers to all the questions. Listen to me. The most beautiful spiritual mothers and fathers are not the ones that say, I've got all the answers. They're just the ones that are willing to say, I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but I'm with you in this. And let's pray and let's worship and let's ask for the spirit to move and let's ask God to move and transform and heal. But I want you to know I'm with you in this all the way to the end because God's with us all the way to the end. That's what the world is in desperate need. The the world is so hungry for this and they don't know that it's found in Jesus first. They're looking for it in a thousand different ways. Finally, we'll finish with this. We're going to become spiritual mothers and fathers by we initiate with humility. What does that mean? What do we initiate? Everything. Conversations on purpose. Talk about hard stuff. We ask for forgiveness. We confess sin. We model obedience. We just initiate. We just take the opportunity to step in. We repent. We lift our hands in worship. We bow before the Lord. We give our hearts to Him with a spirit of humility because that's where the power comes. If you want to know what does it look like to operate in the power of the Spirit of God, it's with a spirit of humility that says, God, have your way in me. Do what you want to do. I don't want to have my own way. I want your way. I don't want my ideas. I want your ideas. I want to trust you and walk with you and live for you and with you. You guys stand with me. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Pray for all of us, myself included, that we just begin to lift our hands to him to say, God, would you give me a bigger vision for my life? To be able to pour into other people, not because I have it all figured out, In fact, I think it's a beautiful confession to say, I don't have it all figured out, but I want to lead in beautiful, humble, meaningful ways. In whatever communities you have me. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But when I say father, some of you have been hurt and manipulated by fathers. 
you've been hurt or wounded by people that were supposed to be in spiritual authority and they hurt you. And I wanna just say, one, I'm so sorry. If you've been hurt by someone that was a spiritual authority, if you've been taken advantage of by someone or manipulated by someone in that place, I'm sorry. Just on behalf of church leaders, I apologize. The Lord is willing to come and give you new vision for Him and His leadership and authority. And we're here with you in that. If you have a hunger to become a spiritual mother or father, but you feel like you're really struggling even to live as a son or daughter, I want to pray with you as well. The Lord wants to anchor your identity in Him this morning, right now. You're my son. You're my daughter. You don't have to do anything to get my love and affection. I'm for you and I'm calling you up. Father, would you grant us vision for these days? I pray right now for those that have been hurt before, Lord, healing and wholeness, forgiveness, transforming power. Father, for those that are struggling to believe their identity as sons and daughters, God, would you grant fresh vision, even as we sing this song about your fathering over our lives. Lord, would you allow us to come into a transformed understanding of what you have called us to be? We ask in Jesus' name. Let's finish with this song. Worship him.